Welcome to the Emerging Minds Families Podcast. Hi, I'm Alicia Ranford and you're listening to an Emerging Minds Families Podcast. Before we start the conversation today, we'd like to pay respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains. We also pay respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, their ancestors and elders past, present and emerging from the different First Nations across Australia. Today I'm delighted to be talking with Lee and her daughter Charlotte. Together they've had to navigate through some pretty complex times and are here to talk with us about what has helped them communicate and stay connected. Hi Lee and Charlotte, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Lee, perhaps you could start by telling us a bit about who is in your family. Sure. So I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. I separated from their father when my daughter was three and I was pregnant with my son at the time. My ex-partner is now remarried and he has two children from that marriage. And what has been your experience of navigating the relationships for your children when the dynamic of your family changed and the children's father built a new relationship and family? So definitely tricky. So one of the things that we always did was work on putting the children first. So it wasn't about his ego or my ego or who was right or who was wrong. So it was about what was best for the kids. And sometimes within that, we all, me in particular, had to look for the silver lining. So for instance, with his wife, it can be very challenging to get along with your ex's new partner or wife. But looking for the silver lining was that she always had, you know, the children well fed, they were in bath, they were in bed on time. Anything I asked of her or of the children, she generally did. It is really tricky, like in general, navigating with your ex, his partner and their family. It's like you've got to be diplomatic in your approach to it because at the end of the day like that's still your children's family and they're not going anywhere and to me that's my son and daughter's dad and their family so you know no matter what my feelings are that's not going to change and the more of an adult that I can be about it the better it is for them. And what do you think is important when talking about these new connections that your children now have with their dad's family? Being diplomatic is definitely a huge thing. Not bringing my opinion into it. So I learned very early on to say things like, how did that make you feel? What are you okay with that? Or why don't you talk to your dad about that? So trying to take my emotions out of it and put the onuses back on like my children for them to advocate for themselves with that relationship as well. But it's definitely tricky, that's for sure. And keeping in mind, so your children are half you, but they're also half that other parent as well. And so if you're saying stuff about that parent, that they're bad or they're wrong or something like that, I don't want my children to think, well, I'm half them. So does that mean I'm bad or I'm wrong? Or to take on any of those feelings for themselves as well. Uh, So I think that that's really important. And teaching the children about boundaries as well. So we acknowledge that through various things that like the separation was hard, things that came after was hard as well. And sometimes that there's just no sugarcoating that. So I think it's being honest with them, but to to a certain degree as well, without rubbishing that other person. And Charlotte, what do you value most in regards to how mum talks to you about what's going on around you and these relationships in your life? I like that you pay attention to my body language. You and I could be saying that I'm okay with what happened or how I felt, but you can tell by my body language that I'm just saying that. 
and it's not okay and you stop it up the conversation when we're talking about deep things like that and you treat it kindly like you read emotion instead of after asking how we feel and you start to get emotional about it you ask how you can help us instead of just trying to you ask us what we need what do you both think can be the trickiest part of having these conversations not to get defensive so sometimes i may feel like i have to be in competition like a little bit sometimes with either her dad or uh, the wife or so sometimes if the the kids will say something about their weekend or being there or uh, i automatically feel that need to kind of compare and sometimes like i will feel defensive so realizing that it's not a competition um and that we're both very different people raising the same same children so I know that's something for me that I have to check myself and remind myself that at the end of the day when we put all our egos aside we all want the kids to be happy like that's the main aim and so I have to keep you know coming back to that in my head are there things you find tricky Charlotte in having these conversations when we tried to talk about something serious like in relationships and emotionally when I was younger I'd always used to be like yeah whatever it's not serious I don't care about that because a lot of kids get like not grossed out but grossed out basically by talking about like deep things with their parents because that's their parents Charlotte, do you feel that because mum did talk to you about these tricky things when you were younger, now that you're a bit older, you don't find them embarrassing anymore because mum set the standard and you know that she's going to talk to you about these things and it's okay? I honestly tell my mum everything now, everything. There are no secrets, nothing is embarrassing because when I was younger, you never judged me. She never told me that my feelings were like I was being overdramatic or those sensitive or personal things were like that was too much information or I didn't need to know that like anything I said, it was all okay. So I'm okay with talking about those things now with my mum and my dad because I know I'm not going to get judged so it's not embarrassing anymore. Charlotte, when I spoke to you and mum before, I understand that you have found a great way to communicate about some of the more trickier stuff. Can you tell our listeners about what you do? Yes. So me and my mum never used to be the best at communicating because in these type of fights, we both get very defensive of ourselves. So even though when you try to talk about it calmly, that wall between you guys will go up and you will always end up arguing because you never speak calmly about these things while talking. So I created a book and it is called Mum and Charlotte's Communication communication book and when I find it tricky to express something or discuss something when I know it's going to end in an argument I write down all my feelings and how I feel into this book and I never say anything hurtful or things you don't mean on paper you always think about it first and it's always calmly and you can think over it and then I leave it in my mum's room and then she reads it thinks about it and then she replies And how do you find using the book, Lee? I really like it because it really gave me a really in-depth look at Charlotte's point of view for things. And so it really taught me not to assume and to really see her point of view. And so when we both literally laid it out on paper, we could see where each other was coming from. And so my point was valid. And then to see how Charlotte felt about that. And sometimes I would assume about why she was behaving in a certain way or doing or not doing something. And then when I read about how she was feeling, 
feeling or why that was happening instead of feeling you know angry or frustrated with her I became sympathetic or compassionate because I, I understood what it was that was then bothering her and then we could look at it in a different way instead of just and both getting defensive or fighting about it because we both think we're right when in some degrees we are but yeah it just helps us to see each other's side so sometimes we will be having a in-depth discussion or sometimes like a debate in the book and you, you can be feeling quite heated or emotional or defensive about whatever it's in and then as the book goes back and forth but it's almost like a secret conversation because then in our everyday life we won't always talk about what is in within the book as well don't talk about what's in the book what happens in the book stays in the book yeah and so it can be and sometimes like I know particularly for myself when Charlotte writes something in that I may not reply straight away so I might take like a day or so just to really think about your response and let it settle instead of reacting and so whilst this our secret conversation is happening normal life is happening at the same time and so sometimes that can be a bit funny how fantastic though that you can take the time to really be curious about what each of you are thinking and work through your responses in a calm way and I love that the rule is is that in everyday life you still just carry on as normal because you know that you've got this secret conversation going on and you're going to work it out in the book. Lee, in more recent years I understand there have been other challenges in maintaining the children's relationship with their dad. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So about three years ago their father was incarcerated so that in itself has been challenging into the lead up and then of it actually happening and then obviously changed our whole family dynamic and then trying to find a new sense of normal again. When it first happened and we knew that there was a possibility that he would, he would be going to prison. That wasn't hidden from the children, so they were told that that may happen. And so obviously, like, a lot of questions surfaced about usually children watch movies or cartoons as bad people go to jail and stuff like that. And so I still say about their dad, and I navigated it at the time, was he's not a bad person and he's not a bad person. He's made bad choices and now this is the consequence for his choice and he's learning from his mistakes but we're really proud of what he's doing in there and how well he's behaving we're proud of that so he's making the best of the circumstances that he's got and that's afforded him some special privileges with where he is and so we don't look at it that he's this bad person in a bad place we look at it as that he has made some poor choices and now mistakes and he's learning from them he is who he is i think that's the thing to take away from it is then we just accept that that's him sometimes he can be really on top of his game and then sometimes not so much sometimes he can call all the time and then sometimes he won't call for some time and we just kind of learnt to roll with him that that's who he is and it's not anything for the kids to take personal because they have no doubt about how much he loves them and how much the kids love him like that's never in question and and teaching the kids yeah not, not to take his actions personally because it's not about them like it's about him So that's obviously part of how you've navigated this new dynamic and the relationship that they have with their father. So if you have someone close or uh, someone you know in prison or you have children with someone in prison, like depending on the different circumstances or why they may be in there, it's all different. But I don't see him as a threat to my children. Like they were never not safe or in danger or anything like that. And so I don't feel like he's a threat being in their lives in any way. And therefore I don't want to remove 
remove him from their lives. At the end of the day, it's their dad and nothing is going to change that. And I feel like my children do better and he does better when they have that connection together. And so I don't have anything in place and I won't, as in he can call the kids as much as he likes. And so he has able to call their mobile phone. I have a home phone purposely for him. So he's able to call them on that. The children write him letters. So on the side of the fridge, we've got like pre-addressed envelopes and stamps and stuff like that, that at any time that they can write him a letter and seal it. I don't read those letters or anything like that. They can write how they feel and send that to him, which I find is a good tactic over the years of if they've been upset about something or they're angry about something, they can put it in a letter or if they miss him, they can put him in a letter. And to his credit, he will always, will generally always read after he receives a letter to say he got it and we'll fork it out if it's I'm angry with you because he will ring and have that conversation. So yeah, that's a good thing. And then his wife is really good as well. So if anything is happening with the kids and I want him to know something fast, I'll let her know. And generally within a day, he'll call me or check in just to make sure everything is okay. And then like do follow-up phone calls and stuff like that to make sure, you know, the situation is now settled or what's going on with it. And Charlotte, have you found these are good ways for you to be able to communicate with him? Yes. I really like sending him letters. When you're on the phone, you don't think of much that's happening. You just think about that moment. And when it goes on paper, one subject leads to another. And before you know it, you've done the whole page. So you can really get everything out. And he calls and he thoroughly reads it. And if he's confused, I'll like explain to him what I meant or just things like that. And Lee, what are some of the things that have helped you to talk and communicate well with the kids about what is going on and the relationship with their dad. And I'm thinking about, for our listeners, the practicalities of how you do this. So definitely the environment in which you talk to the kids is really important. So I always find the car the best. It's also the placement of where you're sitting because it's not confrontational when you're side by side, where if you're at home or you're sitting across from someone, or sometimes it can be confrontational. And so I think finding that spot where it's comfortable to have those chats, like the environment does play a big part. My lovely daughter here, she is a night owl and I am not. So it means generally when I'm about to go to sleep or when I was ready to go to sleep an hour ago and she wants to come in and have a big chat. Kids always feel more emotional at night because it's when they're getting tired. They're really seeing their walls, their everything that stops them from talking. So around nine o'clock when you're ready to hit the hay, and I'm just sitting there thinking about the stuff and I go, oh, I should tell mom. I try to listen and I, if I feel like it's really important or if it is generally about their dad or they've got big emotions about something, I will listen and I just have to suck it up virtually that it's late at night, I want to go to sleep, but they, now they want to have a talk. But oh, if- you always did, especially when it first happened and then I was still trying to understand the whole thing has happened, what happens. It'd be like a Sunday night at 11 o'clock and I'd wake you up and I was crying. And no matter what, you'd still get up, turn the lamp on, talk for an hour if I needed it, even if you started at five the next day. One of the things I think I've definitely learned is you've really got to pick kids' time when you talk to the kids. So definitely, definitely, definitely not when they walk in the door from school because they're already feral, they're done. 
Yeah, they're done for their day, they're tired, they're hot, they're bothered, they're hungry. So it's really about choosing the time that you speak with them. And I always find it's really nice to have that connection with them first. So, you know, it could be spending that little bit of quality time with them. Lots of things in our household revolve around food. So it could be, let's go to Starbucks and we'll, we'll get a drink. And sometimes it's just sitting in there and you're having a nice drink like together and conversations will start. And before you know it, it it's all getting yeah, some of the best conversations I've had with you is around nine o'clock when it's just you and me and I'm going, oh, I feel awful, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, come on, hop in the car. And then we drive to Macca's, eat a Sunday, and I'm sitting in the car park crying and it's just a good way to have a conversation. I always say to the kids is I don't care who they talk to about it as long as they're talking about it so you don't hold it in and so it's okay if they don't want to talk to me about it I get it. There was a time that they were seeing psychologists when all this stuff happened with their dad and sometimes they prefer the school counsellor. Sometimes they wanted to talk to Nana or and so for me it, it doesn't have to be me the person that they talk to but it's about talking to someone and expressing how they're feeling and not holding it in because I feel like even as adults as soon as we say something can get it off your chest you, you automatically feel so much better and they're saying that what is it a problem shared is like a problem halved and I think that's so true and it's lovely to think that there's a village and your village doesn't have to be five ten or fifteen people your village can be two or three people if you know that there's someone else that the kids can go to that's really special yeah finding your tribe I've talked about this previously but yeah finding those people that help you and be there for you and that's something I talk to about my kids is that your family's not always blood as well like the people in your lives that you can create or it's the people that you can call in the middle of the night and that they'll turn up no matter what no questions asked or just I need you can you come over yep I'll be there in 15 and sometimes having different people I found navigating this situation even now for different things is having different people in your life for not like different purposes but if I want to have a bit of a, a vent session about it, and my best friend is the person to go to but when I'm feeling like I'm not doing a great job, my mum's the person I call, like, Mum, I'm just feeling overwhelmed. Like, I don't feel like I'm doing good enough. And she's got my back. And I'm very fortunate that I have these people in my life, my own village, that depending on what's happening, I know that I can call them. And that's something that I will say to the kids is well, I say all the time to them that I've got them. It's okay. I've got you. Talk to me. We'll figure it out. But then I talk about Nana's got me. So I've got them and they've got me and it is us, but it's not just us because we do have this support around us. And I think my children, and particularly my son, really feels that because I know sometimes if he's worried or stressed about things, he's like, oh, that's okay because Nana will. So you have a catchphrase I tell my children. I've got you and other people have got me. We are bigger than just us. And when they need me, I'm here for them. And Charlotte, it sounds like you and your mom and your brother have worked out some really great systems in your house to talk about all sorts of things. What advice would you have for other parents listening today who are unsure about how to talk to their kids about something? Think about what you're saying and think about what they're saying and get to the point together. Make sure it's not all one-sided and that you're both actually having a conversation and you're not just telling them about it. You can't save your children from everything or help them with everything. Sometimes they just need someone to talk to or someone to listen to them, not to 
help them or solve something or change the fact that they're stressed about this. They just need someone to listen. One of the things that I'll do is I'll just ask the kids directly, what do you need me to do? How can I help you? So tell me what I can do to help you. Like, is it sometimes it might be a day off school. Sometimes it might be a warm bath. Sometimes it might be a cup of tea or a hot chocolate. It's just showing them in their love language, I guess, about how you can support them and love them in their way. How do you find a balance between supporting your kids to navigate the relationships in their lives and letting them find their own way? That is really hard. That is a challenge for me and in general. And I think it is about really having that open communication. And at the end of the day, I think you've got to really trust your children. And we have those really open and honest communication about every single topic under the sun in our household. Also teaching the children boundaries within themselves so that they need to respect themselves, their body, how they treat other people, how other people treat them as well. And so that you're creating their value system for them. And so then as they grow up and particularly hit those teenage years, they do start to learn about, well, I don't like this way this person is treating me. Well, that's not how I want to be spoken to. So they do start to navigate things for themselves. Normally, kids trust their parents the most because they teach them what to do. They teach them about life and what life is. They believe their parents over anyone. I'll ask mum and dad. So I think a lot of parents don't think about what they're saying in that moment to their children because as soon as you say something about them, like self-confidence, like even if it's a joke, they'll take it seriously because you are the smartest person to them. So what I'm hearing is that... Parents and caregivers need to think about how they communicate with their kids about these things because their kids really do listen. They do. They take it upon themselves. Like you said, you like you're building their value system. So whenever you tell them, they're going to take that in. You're teaching them how to handle various situations and what their values are and what their expectations are. So then as they're getting older and they're trying to navigate these circumstances for themselves, they've, they've already got ideas. They've already got strategies. You've already been role modeling to them you've already been giving them these examples and and we as parents we do not always get it right that is for sure one of the lessons that i've really had to learn is well two things actually is one is when you get it wrong as a parent apologize because you're showing your children that nobody's perfect they're not perfect we're not perfect so saying well sorry i didn't get that right what can i do next time or next time i will or uh because it's not about them having power or anything like that it's about showing that you you're stuffed up, you're apologizing, you're learning from it and you're moving on. One of the other things that just comes to my mind is that I think is really important and it was a really valuable lesson that I learned with my kids is not hiding my emotions or my feelings. So particularly when the kids' dad and I first went through separation is I wanted to be the strong one. I didn't want them to see that I was upset or things like that. And so I hit it, but what I did was I taught the children not to express their exactly. own, their own emotions. And so Charlotte in particular would hold her feelings in until it exploded. And exactly. You kind of explained it to me like it was a soft drink bottle and then every time I held it in, I shook the bottle. Yeah. And then you hold it in so much, one day you just keep shaking and then it explodes, yeah. which is not healthy. One of the other things can I just add that I think is really important as a parent is when your child tells you something and it's 
something that you do not want to hear as a parent is not to react. So because when you react or overreact or anything like that, it teaches the children that you're not someone that they can talk to or that you're not someone that they can trust or you can turn to. And so it could be something you're saying, what you've said is really big. I don't want to react or overreact to it. So can you just give me a little bit of time to process it and then can we come back? And so that way, as a parent, you can have that, oh my goodness me, moment by yourself why you just digested whatever they've told you and then regroup and come back and have that conversation. Because if something really goes wrong in your kid's life or something really bad happens, you want them to be that first person that they turn to going, I've got to tell mum, I've got to tell dad, not I can't tell mum or I can't tell dad. You know you've done wrong and all you want is your parents tell you that it's okay and you don't want to be yelled at, you don't want to get in trouble. It's so hard to explain. You kind of like want to learn the lesson Lesson, but like in being supported at the same time. Charlotte, what would your advice be for other young people whose parents might be listening? Like, what advice would you have for them about communicating with their parents? They're not trying to get you in trouble. No matter how they explain it, it's always for your best interest. It might come across the wrong way or like you feel like you have to be defensive, but from their perspective, they're trying to make sure that their child is okay or they aren't going through something alone. They're always trying to help you even if it doesn't come across that way or you don't want to talk about it. You tell and explain that to them. That's fantastic. That's very wise words. And I want to thank you both, Lee and Charlotte, for sharing your experience with us. And I really value the way, Lee, that you've navigated through what must have been a really difficult time, always keeping foremost what your children need to help them through. And Charlotte, your very mature way of thinking about communication and just how well you and mum do that. And I think that our listeners today will have learned a lot from hearing your story. So thank you. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au forward slash families for a wide range of free information and resources to help support child and family mental health. Emerging Minds leads the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health. The centre is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.